Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Go Call Your Sister. Hi, Allie. You look beautiful this morning. Hi, Bird. I guess it's Thank afternoon you. for you, huh? I know. Perks of the time difference. I'm like ready for the day. <laughs> I know. And I literally just rolled out of bed. I have these long ass braids in because I got long hair extensions when I went home. And I'm like totally channeling Willie Nelson energy like the whole time I've been in Hawaii. <laughs> I love it. You do look like a little girl version, younger version of Willie. (laughs) So yeah, that's kind of the energy that I'm giving these days. Um, How are you? How was your weekend? And also, where are you? I'm good. I am in Chicago um, in a hotel room at Soho House. Um, But yeah, my week has been good. Anna Grace was in LA, so we got to play for a couple of days. And that was really fun. We went to Malibu and I helped her out with a brand event she did with a company called Symbiotica, which was really, really fun. I made a lot of good connections there. And yeah, it was a really, it was a fun week. It was kind of a chaotic week because... So another life update, (laughs) they just keep coming fast and furious. Mario and I are leaving LA for the time being. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Yeah, we have signed a lease on a house in Nashville. Um, There are a lot of different reasons, but I think LA was so good for us across the board, honestly, because it really strengthened our relationship. It also opened up a lot of doors for us. I never would have left my job or I think I would have left my job, but it would have taken me a lot longer if I would never have left Nashville. And I think sometimes you need to shake things up completely just to kind of reset. And that's really what what LA was for us. It was a shaking up of our lives and kind of a redirection. And, you know, I think it helped align us on the long-term goals that we have both individually and together. And I think to build the future that we want to build, Nashville has the best opportunities to do that. And it really just kind of led us to a newfound appreciation for Nashville and our home there. Do I think this is a forever move? No, I think that we will move again at some point. But, you know, I think that this is the move for right now that makes sense. And I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about our house and to be around my friends again and to have that sense of home. Because if I've learned anything in the past couple of months, it's that I need a home base. It's mm-hmm. been really hard, like living in Airbnbs and then this apartment and that place. And so we've kind of just been like jumping around a lot. And I think we both really craved a home base and we travel a lot, you know, clearly. So I think just having a place to call home and come back to will be a really, really nice feeling for us. Totally. Well, while I'm extremely depressed that I will not have a family member near me anymore, and I was stoked to have you guys out there, I definitely understand that you have to do what's best for you. And now at least we don't have to change the podcast uh, bio anymore. I was thinking about that. But yeah, I mean, like I said, we are on the go all the time. So I'm sure we will be back in San Diego and Southern California very soon. And um, I am taking a little piece of California with me, a little wildflower. What the fuck? Oh my (laughs) God. Did you get a tattoo? I did. What the fuck? When did you do that? Holy shit. On the way to the airport. Yeah. (laughs) How did you not tell me about that until right now? Y'all, I swear to God, I did not know about this until right now. Let me see again. I was thinking of the real. Are you impressed? (gasps) Oh my gosh, it's so cute. When did you do that? It's just a little dainty wildflower. And I did it. Mario and I both got tattoos. Um, We were going to lunch before we left LA and we walked past a tattoo shop and it just was something that we had not planned. It happened so spontaneously. And we were both like, let's just get something to remember this time. And we were just talking about like how pivotal the past couple of months had been for both of us in so many ways, personally, professionally, just all across the board. And we were like, let's just remember it. And so I went with the wildflower (laughs) because it just is really meaningful to me because I think I've told this story, but Mario and I were driving around in Malibu back in May before we had moved. And I was like asking him, what kind of flower do you think I would be expecting him to say like a peony or a rose or something like that? And he said a wildflower. And I was like, why? And he said, because you bloom anywhere. And that just is really stuck out to me as like a reminder, like it doesn't matter where you are, what you're going through, like I can, I can bloom anywhere, wherever I am, wherever I'm planted. 
Um, and I love that. And so now I love that. Oh my gosh. Reminder stamped on my arm. (laughs) I love that. Um, okay. Well, what did Mario get? Did he get the same one? No, he got a different wildflower and he also got, um, Los Angeles written in script. You can't really even read it, but it just looks cool. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is the craziest thing that you've ever done. Like on this podcast is whipping out a tattoo in front of my eyes. I love it, Allie. I think it looks so good. I know you wanted another tattoo for a while. It's so dainty and I love the the significance that it has. And yeah, I'm really happy with it. The guy was super detailed and like the lines are so thin. And I was just laughing as I was laying there because I was thinking about our tattoo in Hawaii. Oh my God. I know, but I still love the tattoo that we have together. I love our tattoo, and I love that it's not perfect, too, because they're both yeah. a little bit wonky. I got mine. <laughs> yeah, they are a little bit wonky, literally. But I got mine, like, filled in, and then it became, like, thick as fuck. So, But I, I love it. I love that we have it together. And I love your new tattoo. That's awesome. What a great story. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm just really embracing everything that I learned in California. And it really, like, we weren't there for a long time. And honestly, going into it, we didn't know if it was a short-term or long-term thing. We were just full send. And Mm -hmm. it really didn't teach me like to just try and just go because life does not change if you just stay the same. And sometimes that means moving and trying something new or starting a business, which, you know, I am doing right now and I'm going to talk more about in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I just, I want to take that energy with me going forward into whatever comes next. Totally. And I'm not seriously not going to lie. When you're like, I'm bringing a souvenir home with me. I thought you were going to say that you were pregnant. And I was like, literally going to fall out and die. I literally just talked about like a week ago how I don't want kids. I know. But like the way that you were just setting it up for like this ominous like thing. I was like, no, no, no. Um, no, I'm going to, I'm going to settle for the tattoo over a child right now. So I'll take it. Yeah, no, no, I feel you. But I don't know. I was just thinking to myself, like, holy shit. Um, well, that's, that's really awesome. I'm really proud of you guys. I think it's important to like, follow where you feel called to be and, you know, do what's best for you. And that's the beauty of life is you can always move. You can always change. You can always go back. And I will continue to hold down the West for, you guys. Please do. Who knows? I think our ultimate plan is to be in Malibu. We love that place. It is my happy place. I talk about it all the time. But right now, it just doesn't really make sense. And I've been talking a lot lately about, I don't know, like it's just been coming up a lot in my conversations of like allowing the flow of life to just kind of move and go with it wherever it takes you and not being so like, oh, I have to do this or I have to do that or I have to stay here or go there. And it's just like allowing yourself to move where you need to go physically, Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally. And that's just the state that I'm in right now. And I want to embrace that. Yeah, it's very important. Um, We also have a lot of questions today about kind of the similar thought process about moving and starting over. And um, so, yeah, I think you'll have a lot of good things to speak on that. My week is far less... um, thrilling. I am not moving. (laughs) I'm still in Hawaii currently. I'm here for like two and a half or three more weeks, which is amazing. Um, Perry and Blaine are coming next week. So I'm really excited about that. And yeah, it's just been like very calm, like good energy. I feel like very at peace here, like I said. And a couple people asked me my DMs and like, I think someone even asked in the question box today, like, why don't you live in Hawaii if it's the place you feel happiest? And it's such a tr- it's such a tricky question because like I would love to live here again and I feel like I will eventually but right now I feel like my career is like very abundant in California and like the universe is kind of like guiding me to be there right now um so like while I love it here and I feel super happy I also feel happy and love California as well for like different reasons and I feel like one day I will come back but that's just where I feel like I need to be right now I totally understand that. And I was actually talking to mom last night about how you can love a place and it can feel like home and feel like that just magical place for you without living there. Because mom's mm-hmm. always like, she goes somewhere cool and she's like, I need to live here. I'm, I must yeah. live here. Yeah. It can just exist as a place that you go and you refresh and refuel and just kind of like come back to yourself. And kind of like I was talking about, like, I think that we will end up moving back to California at some point eventually or, you know, wherever the next place is it's the timing. And when the timing is right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. And that's why I love it. Like I can come back here. There's always a room open. There's always a friend that's welcoming you. Like it's always here for me and it's really close to me in California too. And when I leave Hawaii, I always feel so much more like recharged. My creativity is higher and I love that. So yeah, I'm just kind of like enjoying being in my happy place right now. And yeah, everything is good over here on the island. Yesterday was Honolulu Pride, which was really amazing. I went to the um, parade and the festival. It was so sweet, like just seeing everyone come together and and celebrate um, Pride and going with all my friends. That was amazing. And then I actually do have like sort of big news. I am launching sweatshirts. I have two sweatshirts that are coming out, probably... I guess this could be the first place you guys hear about it. Maybe not. I think I'm going to post a TikTok before this episode comes out. But I've been working on two different sweatshirts for... I've been wanting to do loungewear in some variety um, for like three years now because I just love comfy clothes. And I'm launching two different sweatshirts and I'm really excited about it. So yesterday, all my friends went out and we took pictures and videos. And it was just so sweet because it was like... I just kind of presented them with this idea, like, hey, guys, I'm launching this. I need some pictures and videos. And, like, everyone was just so stoked to, like, come out, support me. Like, my friend Kasha is doing a video for me. And it was just the most, like, loving time and feeling, like, really uplifted and really encouraged. And everyone was, like, so proud of me. And and that was, like, really, really, really fueling for me. So I'm really excited for those to come out. Um, look for them. I'll, they'll definitely be all over my social media. And I'm just very proud of them. So I think that's my like big announcement right now. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait to see all the content you guys shot. I had a little sneak peek and it looks great. Yeah, it was really cute. Um, And other than that, after we record this episode, I'm going to go to church today and I'm going diving with my friend Nate. So really excited about that. Hopefully we see some. I had a dream last night that I saw like a bunch of sharks and I was swimming through a bunch of sharks. So like I hope that isn't like a sign that I'm going to see a bunch of sharks, but yeah, I'm going to go diving today. Um, So yeah, that's kind of a recap of my week. I'm super excited for today's episode, going back on our advice episode. This is something we've been wanting to do for a long time, and I wanted to make it anonymous because I wanted the questions to be really juicy, and I feel like you guys delivered. Yeah, I've, I've looked at the questions. I think they're so good, and honestly, I think that they're perfect for where we both are in life right now and the things that we have going on or have dealt with recently in the past, so I think that we'll have some good advice, and honestly, sisters give the best advice, especially older sisters, right, Bird? <laughs> yeah, I was already reading through the questions thinking like, oh my gosh, me and Allie are going to have really different opinions on this, but yeah, like you guys can get two different you know, two very different personalities giving you advice. And I think that they're really great. So I feel like we should just jump in because we have a lot of them and I want to get to as many as possible. Yep. Let's do it. I will let you pick the first one that we do. All right. Let me look through this list. Wow. We got a lot of questions. I know. I was proud of you guys for coming through. Um, All right. Let's kick it off with this question. I feel like roommate drama is really hard and difficult and – It's not a fun thing to deal with. So let's dive in with this question. How to tell your roommate you don't want to live with them again. We've been roommates and friends for the first two years of college, but now she is causing a lot of issues. First of all, I am so sorry about that because there is nothing more awkward than roommate drama because you're around it 24-7 and you can't escape it. Yeah, totally. I feel like the space that you live in is so important, at least for me. Like I'm a product of my environment. So like if I'm in a drama filled, like anxiety filled space, like that is who I become. And I I also feel for you. I'm sorry. That is so shitty. That's why I've lived with Perry for like a hundred years because I just know we live well together. Yeah, honestly, same. Viv and I lived together for six years and we really became more like sisters. Okay, but I'm um, sure this person doesn't want to hear that. We need to help her <laughs> or him with how to get out of this. Um, so I think you should manifest a lifelong roommate. <laughs> um, okay. Um, no. So this is a question that I felt like you and I were going to differ on because of just like how we handle situations. Like this would cause me so much anxiety and stress. Like I would be really freaked out. Um, so I'm really curious to hear what you would do. Well, I think you know my answer. I'm just going to address it head on. I think that I would have a lot of stress about it too, because I am very impacted by my environment environment as well. And anytime like there's ever been an issue with me and a roommate, my go-to, I hate passive aggressiveness. That makes it Mm. so much worse. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like by the time you get to the conversation, if you let it go on for too long, it just makes it like more intense and more 
just hard. So I think that just rip the bandaid off, just sit her down and say, Hey, I want to talk to you about something. I, you know, value you as a friend. And I think that for our friendship to thrive, we need a little space from each other. And so I think I'm going to live or don't even say I think so I'm planning to live with someone else next year. Yeah, I would say like, I would go into it with obviously like love and not aggression or hate, but I would say like, you know, I have to you know, for my mental health and my well being, like I have to prioritize myself here. And I think that means putting myself in a new environment. You could just be like, this does, doesn't come out of a place of hate for you. It comes out of a place of love for myself, which is a line that I really like to use because that's setting the narrative that you're going into it with like a loving, gentle way. But yeah. I do think like, you know, your mental health and your well-being in the space you live in is utmost important. It's more important than like this other person. And like, you could even say like, you know, it's been a great two years, but from the last two years of college, I want to try something new or I'm going to do something different. And just like reiterate that that doesn't mean that you wish them ill, but you have to boss up and prioritize your mental health because if you live with someone who's causing issues, it will impact you for the next however long you live together. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like definitely soften it up because sometimes I can just like hype myself up to have these tough conversations and then I go into them and I sound a lot more like intense than I mean to. So definitely start it. I actually like to approach conversations like this with um, something I like to call the sandwich style. So start (laughs) off with something a little, you know, nice and compliment them or, you know, make it kind of, you know, like you said, Bert, turn it into like, I'm looking out for my mental health and you know, as I said, I really value our friendship. And so I want us to be the best possible versions of ourselves we can be in this relationship and then drop it. You know, I, because of that, I'm going to, I'm going to change my environment (laughs) next year and then bring it back together at the end and say, (laughs) but I've really enjoyed these last two years and I've made a lot of amazing memories with you that I'll take with me for the rest of my life. Totally. I love that. Yeah. Sandwich it for sure. But there definitely is a power in being direct and just like saying what you need to say and getting it out there. And then like, boom, you're done. Like you did it. Um, So I hope that helps you. And we are wishing you well for that. But yeah, get out of there. Run. We should do a recap. Like after this episode airs a couple weeks later, like follow up. Yeah. We're going to do it like, a, yeah, I would love that. Um, Okay. I'm going to pick the next one. So, okay, I'm doing this one because I can relate a little bit. (laughs) Um, So this says, what do y'all think about giving someone a third chance? I dated this guy and I'm scared I won't be able to find anyone else, but I also feel stupid getting back together with him. Okay, so (laughs) as someone who recently broke up with someone and then got back together with him, only two times, not three, I will say that this question struck a chord for me and you cannot get back together with him. Like you cannot. And I say this as someone who like hates letting people go, who hates feeling like I'm abandoning someone, but you've got to go. Like my, our mom always says, don't let someone show you who they are twice. And sure as fuck, don't let them show you who they are a third time. And what I've learned is letting go of people is really difficult. Like it is hard, especially if you're like me and you have a hard time letting it go. But you are never going to bring someone better in for you if you're holding on to something that's not for you. Like it's obviously not serving you. If you've broken up twice already, you have to cut the cord or else you're never going to have. And I've learned that like after the second breakup, I was like, okay, we cannot get back together a third time. Like, like you said, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. Like you just can't do it. It's not working. And as soon as I mentally like let that go, it is crazy what the universe brought into my life as like a, reward for finally letting it go I think first off take that whole like it's gonna look embarrassing thing out of your head because at the end of the day who gives a fuck like your choice is your choice and you shouldn't make decisions based on whether or not it's gonna look embarrassing or what other people will think about it because to be honest people think about you a lot less than you think they do so just forget about that completely but I am gonna side with bird do not get back together with them because I was actually thinking about this during my workout today, just like a random stream of consciousness. Um, People don't change, I think, for the most part. I think that in relationships, at least, because I was, you know, I dated someone that I had previously dated and we broke up for the exact same reason we broke up the first time. And it had been years, like almost a decade had gone by since the first time we broke up. 
And mm-hmm. at the core of it, nothing really changed about him. He was still the exact same way as he was when I first dated him. And I don't regret that relationship at all because I think I, I learned a lot in that. But at the end of the day, I think that you have to date the person for who they are. And like Bird said, who they've shown you who they are and not a version of them that they say they're going to be or that you think they're going to be. You have to date them for who they are currently. And to be mm-hmm. honest, if that hasn't worked out twice, it's not going to work out the third time. Third time is not the charm. Yeah, totally. I was reading something on TikTok the other day about like how to know if something is meant for you. And it's like something that is meant to be in your life will stay. It'll be so sure and so calm. And you'll know it's like so obvious that it's supposed to be a part of your life. And as someone who recently just went through two breakups, like, you know, after getting back together, breakups are draining. They take a lot out of you and they take a lot of energy. And, you know, the most important thing is putting yourself first and and not allowing yourself to let your energy be taken in that way. And also after the second breakup, but I finally moved on, I started going on dates with other people. I am shook at what I allowed, how I allowed myself to be treated by people that I've dated in the past. Like I have met the kindest people, the sweetest souls. Like I've realized so many things that I just like could not see because I was just in this toxic loop of getting back together and getting back together and, you know, not being able to stay away. And so I would say like, definitely don't get back together. There is someone much better for you out there. There is someone who will never make you question if you should or shouldn't be together. And Mm -hmm. I can say that as someone who's like single right now. And I still believe that. And I, I also think that like, you have to take steps to actually move on. Like if you and this person live in the same city, like you need to do like no contact. That's the only way that you're going to be able to move on. Like you can't follow their mom. You can't follow their brother. Like you just have to move on for yourself. And you can go in it with the exact same mentality as the roommate situation. Like I'm doing this out of love for myself. I've got to go. Yeah. Well, you know that I am the number one supporter of cutting off communication. I actually was watching the new Sex and the City series the other day and they were saying like cold turkey is my spirit animal. And I resonated with that so hard because I think that you just have to cold turkey it. No talking, no communication. It's the only way to heal. Yeah. But sending you a lot of love. I know that's like a difficult situation and I feel for you. So we've both been there and it sucks. Um, So best of luck. Keep us posted. Next question. All right. I really like this one. I just started a new job and already hate it. It's very boring and it's not what I expected. What should I do? Is it too soon to quit? I feel like it is because it'll look bad to other companies, but I am miserable and it's taken a toll on my mental health and relationships. Also, if I should quit, how do I do it since it's so soon? I have been here for about three months. Quit immediately. I do not think that you need to waste. Your time is so precious and so valuable. So what are you gaining by staying in this job that you know is not for you and it's not meant for you? You have to leave. I mean, I think that we have a lot of um, messaging from older generations of like, oh, you have to stick with the same company for 20 years and blah, blah, blah. And that is just false. That is not true. I think that if you're doing if you're doing something and you know it's not for you, stop, quit, leave. Do not waste another second. And like I said in the question before, do not worry about what it's going to look like to other companies. How does it feel like to you? And clearly it feels bad to stay. Um, and I think when you're interviewing at other places for your next job and they're asking you, why were you only there for three months? I think you can be honest and say, I had to prioritize myself and my mental health. And that role was just not for me. And then that says a lot that you that you would prioritize your mental health, I think, to a future employer. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely am on the quit train. Like your career and your job is such a huge part of your life. You know, you have your social life, your career, your relationships. You cannot have that be tanking your mental health because it's something you have to do every day. And Mm -hmm. the longer it goes on, you're going to fall into a deeper hole about it. And you, you have to just recognize, like you said, recognize what's best for your mental health and go. If I was an employer, who was interviewing you and you told me straight up, like it wasn't good for my mental health. It wasn't a good environment. I wasn't doing well there. I would be like, okay, you know, I'm glad this person is aware of their feelings and thoughts and can make act and can take action. Like that's what it would say to me. Yeah. If I was hiring you or interviewing you for a, a job and you told me that, I would say, you know what? Wow, I'm really impressed with this person because they prioritize their well being and their mental health and they took a stand and they didn't just kind of let 
this roll over them, you know, for a year or two years and kind of keep going, they actually said, this is not for me. I'm going to actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. And that taking action is a huge thing. Yeah, totally. And yeah, don't give a fuck about what anyone else thinks. Do what's best for you. It's your life. And you're like, I think this is the theme of the last three questions is your mental health is priority. Do what you need to do for yourself. And I can actually relate to that so much because I remember my first job out of college, like it was fine, but like I I really didn't like it. And I had another opportunity come up that I was really excited about. And I remember dad telling me to stay at the job that I like was so over and I ended up leaving and going and I got the job that I wanted. And it was a huge part of my career. Like I never would have had the career that I've had to this point if I would not have taken that jump. So don't stay for anyone but yourself. Yeah. You don't know what you're holding yourself back from. And if your job's affecting your relationships, that's a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could be like holding yourself back from your dream job, like an amazing position, a place where you like thrive and and you're not, you don't even know it because you're sitting in this job. So yeah, quit and let us know what your new job is and let us know how that goes. I'll write a recommendation letter for you if you need one, like a fake one. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to go for this one. Um, What do you do when you feel like you've outgrown your friends, but you're still stuck in college with them? Okay. So I have been talking to a lot of people lately who have been telling me they feel like they've outgrown their friends. And similar to the roommate situation, friendships are, and the job, friendships are such a big part of your life and it affects you so heavily. So if you feel like you've outgrown your friends, I think you need to just like take as much space and step back from them as possible that you can possibly do. Like obviously don't isolate yourself and be alone. But if you're with people who are not making you better or building you up or making you just a better functioning version of yourself, I would say like they've got to go. And if that means like your best friend for the next couple of weeks is your mom or your sister, like that's what's going to happen. And like I don't have a ton of friends from my high school. A lot of my core best friends come from college and post-grad life. And so when I would go home or be at home for like the holidays, I wouldn't really have a bunch of people that I could hang out with. And I felt better hanging out with mom and being like with Allie than I felt being around people who I felt like I had outgrown and weren't like building me up or I didn't feel good around. Yeah. I think that Outgrowing friendships is a perfectly normal part of life. It happens and it doesn't matter, you know, if you're in college or if you're in your mid 20s, like it's going to continue to happen your whole life. And I think the way to kind of move past it, because it is hard when you when you are in the same place still. And but I think that there's ways to kind of expand your circle, you know, start seeking out new groups, start going going to new um you know, that's the good thing about college. There are so many extracurricular activities you can get involved with. So, you know, find a different organization or like something new, like try something new, meet people through that and just start expanding your circle. And I think that you'll be really surprised about the people that you meet who are all around you already. Yeah, totally. Like just doing things that you like to do. Look around who's there. Like you're at the gym. Okay. Look around who's there. You know, there's nothing wrong with going to people and being like, Hey, like, I love your top, you know, like, oh, do you come here a lot? I think I've seen you. Like, it's it's okay to do that. And like Ali said, finding that sense of community, that's how you're going to connect with other people. And I guarantee you, like, there are five sweet girls in your everyday life that you just never, you've always looked past because you have these friends that are not great. Also, another thing I just want to say before we move past this question, check your mindset. Um, when you're going into meeting new friends, because if you're thinking like, oh, there's no one here for me, or I'm stuck here in Oxford, like, just keep an open mind, because you you never know who you're going to meet. Well, and I can guarantee you that there's a lot more people than just your friend group, wherever you are. Yeah, totally. Um, But sending you love, because friend transition is hard. And I think that you kind of have to go through that and realize that you might not have the best friends to be open to meeting like amazing people and let them come into your life. So let us know how that goes and definitely get involved in the community and even like reach out to people on social media. That's how I've met a lot of my friends. Like I don't know where you're, where you are. I don't know if there's like a popping like social media front there, but like just reaching out to people and being like, Hey, like I saw your video, like let's go like on a walk or let's go do this. And you know, even starting things in your community. If you guys listen to the Dallas Hot Girl Walk episode, 
that was all started from people feeling like they didn't have a community. So like start your own thing, start a book club, start a walking club, like do what you need to do. Next question. I really like this one because I think that we both have been been in this place and are maybe currently in it, but advice on not knowing what you want to do or where you want to live. I think that that is something a lot of people are struggling with. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter like what phase of life you're in. Like maybe you're graduating college, maybe you're, you know, like me turning 30. And I think that the best piece of advice I have for that is to just take an action, like just Mm -hmm. do something, like try something, you know, Anna Grace and I, we, I just did an interview for her podcast this past week. And we talked a lot about just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. I think that Mm -hmm. there's so much, power and doing that of like, you know, yeah, this might not work out, but it might lead you to something that does or like, yeah, this place might not be the place for you, but you might meet make a connection there that leads you to the next place that you're meant to be. And so I think that the biggest thing is just taking action because it can be so scary not to know like a plan. And I know that because I am I'm such a planner. And I like to know like what I'm going to be doing a month, three months, six months, a year from now. And I think just Mm -hmm. embracing like the time of figuring things out and just trying new things. And like I said, seeing what sticks. And I think as a perfectionist, too, it can be hard because you want things to be so perfect. And you want to know the answer to things. But oftentimes perfectionism shows up and just kind of like freezing because mm-hmm. you don't want to do something and it not be perfect or it not work out the way that you think it is going to. So you just don't take action. And so I think the best thing you can do here is just give it a shot. Yeah. Like realistically, what that looks like in my head is like when I moved to Hawaii, I didn't know if I'd like it. I didn't know what I was going to do or how long I'd want to be here. So we originally had like a four or five month lease and I didn't have a you know nine to five corporate job. I got a job at a coffee shop and I just kind of like tried it and I loved it. So I stayed and extended, but there's nothing wrong with going somewhere for just a short period of time, feeling it out, getting like a Airbnb or subleasing someone's room and, you know, working at a bar or a coffee shop. I don't know what your job situation is, but doing that until you find where it, where it feels right for you. And also like, you have to listen to that still small voice in your head. Like I had, I'd only been to Hawaii once when I moved here. Like, obviously it's like, yeah, it's Hawaii. It's amazing. I had the strongest gut feeling, the smallest voice in my head. Like everything was just telling me that that's where I needed to be. And so I would encourage you, like if you are religious, like praying, like really seeking like that meditation time, being still, being quiet, like really feeling where you need to go. And then trying it out. And like Ali said, if it doesn't, if it one place doesn't work out, try another place. Like, you know, I know moving is kind of, is a lot and it's hard just like, okay, I'm gonna move to California. Now I'm gonna move to New York. Now I'm gonna do this. But yeah, like, or like go on a trip, go visit somewhere for two weeks, go put yourself in the community, like go to farmer's markets, do things that are normal, feel the feeling of actually living there and get an idea. But I wouldn't like rush into a big, huge, long-term move, like, you know, buying a car, renting a house for a year, getting a corporate job if you don't know where you want to be. So take action, visit, go places, temporarily live there until you get a feel of what you like. Like for me, for example, I never want to be away from the ocean now. So like that already crosses a lot of places off the list for me. So just try, see what your things are, see what you need. Yeah. I like that. Taking kind of like bite-sized steps of, I mean, that's, you know, what we did when we moved to LA, every time we would have the opportunity to sign a year long lease, like something would come up or something would stop us from doing that. And so I think that it's smart to try it out. Like we went into it, not wanting to sign, like we did a month long Airbnb the first month. And that was really good for us because we didn't, we weren't locked in. And I think also taking away like the sense of everything is permanent. Like it feels really permanent to move or like start a job, but you can always change directions. Mm-hmm. You can always move. You can always start again. Like I feel like we're so programmed to think that everything is so permanent, but mm-hmm. in reality, it's just not like you have the freedom to change and yeah. whatever that looks like to you. And so I really like the advice bird that you gave of getting still and getting quiet, because I think that there's so many times where we're really influenced by the voices around us, whether it be your parents, your friends, like, social media, society, and they're constantly telling us like, okay, well, what you choose to do now really affects your life for the next 50 years. And you have to stick with this and do that. And it's just not true. Yeah. And like real talk, if you live somewhere for a year, it's really not that long. Like for example, I moved to San Diego, I feel like literally yesterday and my lease is up January 31st, which is like going to feel like it's a week away. 
So like if you live somewhere even for a year, like you have to sign a year lease, a year is really short, especially in like adult life after college, like years go by in like five weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was saying too, like about making like feeling like things are permanent, like are going to last forever. A year is like a blink of that of an eye. It's Literally. Really it's crazy. actually terrifying. Um, but yeah, we're hoping you find the right place and you will, you'll know where you're called. Just listen to it. Okay. I have one that's kind of juicy and it's longer and I'm excited about it. Um, okay. So this says, so I'm dating an older guy who works in the same industry as me, but is not my boss. We really hit it off over the summer and I feel like we both have a really great connection to each other. My mom knows about it as I tell her everything, but my dad does not. I've never been super close with him at all. We really only talk about my work. I'm in my late 20s and the man I'm with is in his early 40s. How would you all approach the situation with telling your dad about this? My mom is putting pressure on me to tell him, but I feel like it's not necessary until we get serious. I hate that I feel like I'm hiding something, but in reality, I'm not. At least I don't think so. That is a really juicy question. I don't know. Like My first thought is like, if you and your dad aren't really close... Does he have that much of a say in your life? Like if you guys only talk about your work, like it's, is he like, does he have as much say in what you do and don't do? Also like you're an adult, like you're in your mm-hmm. late twenties. And like, I don't know now that I'm, now that we're both adults, like your parents, like they really can't do that much unless they're like funding your life or something. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That could come from like, just like how our family operates. Cause we used to not be this way, but like, I kind of see it as like, you're living your life, you're paying your own bills, you're working a job, you're a grown ass woman. And if you want to date someone who's a little bit older, do it. And also, I don't see a huge difference between late 20s and early 40s. Like, I don't know, Allie, you know about age difference. Like, I mean, I feel like late 20s, to early 40s is like a pretty, it's a big jump, you know, it's um, different phases of life. But I mean, Mario and I are almost 10 years apart. We're nine years. And I think I agree with you, Bert. I think that if you and your dad aren't super close and you don't feel like you need to share this information with them, don't. But I also hate feeling like I'm hiding something. So I totally understand that. So yeah, I mean, I would maybe go about sharing the information with him, but it's not like you're asking for his permission. It's just like, this is what I'm doing, period. It's not, this is what I'm doing, question mark. I also hate the feeling of having something that I feel like I'm hiding, but it's like, you're not hiding this like... I don't think there's anything wrong with it. He's not your boss. Like if he treats you well, if he makes you really happy, if he is like checking all the boxes, if all the flags are green, then tell your dad like, and yeah, don't ask him about his, don't ask him for his permission or his advice. Just tell him. Or you could keep it. You could even keep it vague. Just say like, Hey, I'm dating someone new. Like, if he doesn't ask yeah. all the details, you don't have to tell him like what his birthday is and you know, yeah. all the things. I think you can keep it pretty general. I also totally agree. Like, don't wait. Like, wait until you're serious. Like, don't tell your dad this if you guys aren't serious. Because she said it's not necessary until we get serious. Okay, so get serious if you get serious. And then tell your dad. But, like, it's, I don't think it's worth, like, you know, if you feel like your dad's going to really take this hard, like, telling him until you're serious. Because you're really not hiding anything. Like, if you're not serious, you could be dating a bunch of people. Like, you could be doing whatever. So I would wait yeah. until you really know and you feel like this is going to be a man that's in your life for a long time and then tell your dad. Or just say like, hey, dad, I'm seeing a guy. It's not serious, but, you know, I'm just having fun. Like you don't have to tell him the whole start to finish novel of the relationship. And going back to the age difference, I actually am a big proponent for dating older men because of the maturity gap. I think that is a real, real thing. And I think that there is a difference in a guy who is 28, 29 versus 38, 39. Um, usually, usually by that time, they've like had life experience and they've, you know, s- established themselves. And it really depends on what you want. But for me, that is something that was important to be with someone that was on the same maturity level as I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to each her own. Yeah. And like, I'm going into this as if this man is like your dream man, like he's perfect. Like if he's perfect and everything's great, then live your life. Like it's, it's your life. Your dad isn't going to date him. You are. So mm-hmm. do what's right for you. But if he like, is it perfect? You know, obviously that's a different story. That's a saying that I like to use when it comes to anything that I'm deciding to do. Like 
is your mom dating this person? Is your friend taking this job? Like, is your dad like living with this? Like, you know, like it's all about you and like what you want when it comes to making decisions mm-hmm. that are going to inf- affect your life. Yeah. And I would say like, you know, um, like you're not hiding anything. You're just figuring it out right now and figure it out, get to the place you want to be in and then make moves. But right now, give yourself some grace. You're just figuring it out. Don't have that guilt of hiding something because like you said, in reality, you're not. You're just dating around. You're figuring out what's right for you. You've told your mom. And I would say like, if your mom's putting pressure on you, I would just tell her like, hey mom, like, you know, back off a little bit until I get serious. Like until I figure out if it's something I'm for sure wanting to do, then I'll tell dad. And I would say like to get your mom off your back because like we said, your mom isn't dating him. Your mom also isn't your dad's daughter. That sounds weird, but like you're going to handle it the way you're supposed to handle it. You're an adult. You're doing great. You're going to be amazing. Tell your dad when it feels right. Okay. Another juicy question. Um, This one is a little bit longer, but I'm going to read it because I think that this actually is a really big problem. And so I want to help if we can. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. Need advice. We are 23 for context. My solid group of five best friends decided in June that we would, that we were all going to do a girls weekend since we were all in different cities after college. One of the girls really wanted to invite a girl we're pretty good friends with, but isn't necessarily a part of our close knit friend group. A few of us were weary that it wouldn't work out because she is known to be a friend hopper and gluing herself to whoever is the next best thing. On that trip, it was an actual disaster. She wouldn't get off some of the guys who we were hanging out with and she has a boyfriend. She gets belligerently drunk and makes a mess of herself and always causes an issue. Okay. Red flags just flying in the wind. Um, now fast forward four months, our close group of five wants to plan a girl's trip again. And three girls want to invite the girl who caused so many issues. And two of us are so against it. I don't understand why they want to invite. Are you guys okay? Are you guys good? Why do they want her to come? I don't know. Keep reading. We like how our friend group is without all the crazy drama and shit. And this other friend that this other friend brings along. We don't understand why they want her to be a part of everything so badly. Same. I really don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> also, the two of us who really don't want her there are the closest friends to her and have known her the longest, and she is totally herself around us, and we like her a lot when it's just us. But when she started doing stuff with us, she became a kiss-ass and clinging to the other three girls, and is just driving us up a wall. What are we supposed to do for future trips? I feel like this is a deeper issue. <laughs> no, it's not funny. But it's like, what the fuck? Um, okay, so <laughs> I think you and your friend should just take your own trip. Like the two of you just yeah. go away. That's, like that's what I was gonna say. If like if I would not so a trip is gonna cost money and take time. I would not put time money into a situation where there's someone who you feel like is gonna cause you all these issues. Like there are so many red flags. She's kissing She's all up on a guy's when she's a boyfriend. She's belligerently drunk, which is like a liability. We totally feel that. Um, she makes a mess of herself. She always causes an issue. Like your friend group trip should be a time where you're bonding with the people that you love most and you don't get to see all the time because you're all in different cities. And if they want to bring someone who's already causing issues, like like we said, don't let someone show you who they are twice. If she already did that the first trip, I guarantee you she's going to do it the second trip. No questions asked. Yeah. I mean, I would just straight up tell your friends, like, if she's coming, then me and this other girl are not coming. We're planning our own trip. We love you guys, but we just, like, if we're going to put our time and money into this, we want it to be fun and enjoyable. And we know that it will not be the case if she's along for the ride. And I think that one thing that you learn as you, you know, after you graduate college and you start traveling with friends, there are some friends that are travel friends and some friends that you can travel well together, no issues. You're on the same page when it comes to where you stay, what you do, where you eat. And some friends are not travel friends and that's okay. And they can be your friend that you talk to on the phone, you hang out with when you're in the same place, but you do not go on trips together. And that is okay. You don't need to force your non-travel friends to be a travel friend. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of non-travel friends. Like I have friends that I love dearly. I will not go anywhere with them ever because I I value our friendship. I truly like just don't want to put ourselves in that situation. And yeah, I think like you can go into it. Like I I feel like this is my advice for everything. Go into it with love. Like say, you know, I love you guys and I wish we could hang out. However, me and, you know, Allie, pretend it's me and Allie, the two girls that are actually sane and have a fucking brain. Um <laughs> me and Allie like don't feel comfortable going on this trip. You know, we're working. We 
are living our lives. If I'm going to take time and money to go on a trip, I just want it to be like really peaceful and I want it to be good for my mental health. And after seeing how the last trip goes, I just don't really have a lot of faith in it. So let us know what you guys want to do. Um, and we're happy to go either way and just leave it at that. Yeah. I think you're going to have to just stick together and stand strong. Lay down the law. And I'm proud of you guys for like realizing that's like crazy. And you should not be doing that. You should not be going on a trip with someone who's described as an actual disaster. And I think that there's like situational friendships too. It's like if you and your friend want to hang out with this third girl, just the three of you guys, and it's good and you're not traveling, you're in the same place and you have fun, like that's fine. But like they don't need to be involved in every situation. Like some friends don't thrive in every situation. Like sometimes it's better to have like a one-on-one you know, to hang out one-on-one versus putting them in a big group of people that they aren't really close to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally. Absolutely. Okay. Let's keep rolling. So we have a couple more that I want to get through. I thought this one would be good for us to answer. So this question says, both of my boyfriend's parents are functioning alcoholics that deny they have a problem despite any efforts. What is the best way to confront my boyfriend about this? This is tough. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard because the thing that about alcoholics is that they will not get better until they choose it for themselves. Like you can't mm-hmm. force them to go into recovery. It's just a decision mm-hmm. they have to make. And if they're not ready to make it, then there's really nothing that you can do. So I think just being there for your boyfriend and listening to him and, you know, I think maybe – when you're together, maybe you guys don't drink with their parents and saying mm-hmm. like, that's a boundary that we're setting of if you want us to be around, like we would prefer to not drink. It's something that, you know, is a personal choice to us. We're not drinking as much and we would appreciate if you guys would respect that. Mm-hmm. I think it's really tough because there's a really, really good chance that your boyfriend knows this, obviously. Like he grew up with them. You know, we, our mom's a functioning alcoholic for a really long time. And you know, like it causes a lot of hurt. There's a lot of trauma there. Um, Whether he like is aware of it or not, he definitely has been affected heavily by it. So it's tough because like you want to confront him and talk about it and bring it up. But it's like, I'm sure he already has a deep, you know, sadness around it, especially if it's both of them. Like, oh my gosh. So I would just be there for him, you know, talk to people who've gone through a similar situation my advice would just like go at it from a place of love and just be like, you know, I love you and, and your parents are really important to me because they're important to you. And I feel like I'm kind of picking up on these signs. So let's do like X, Y, Z. So let's hang out with them and, you know, go to lunch and not go to a place that has alcohol or let's not drink and let's do this and kind of like put action behind it. Not just like your parents are alcoholics. Like, you know, well, I think, I think from the question, the boyfriend knows And he's upset that they are denying it. Oh my gosh. It says, what's the best way to comfort my boyfriend? I thought it said (laughs) confront. Okay. Holy shit. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Comfort. That's so different. I was like, let's not confront him. Like he definitely knows. (laughs) Comfort, comfort, comfort. Okay. Comfort. So that is why I suggested just like, you know, letting him vent about it, letting him talk about it because there is a lot that he carries from living with two parents that are alcoholics, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, like putting yourself in situations where it's not going to be an issue. So, you know, like I said, setting that boundary of we're not going to drink when we're with you guys, we're with the parents and just also like leading by example too, you know, maybe don't go and get fucked up all the time if the parents, if you're trying to, you know, help the parents kind of come Mm -hmm. to the realization that maybe they need to cut back. Yeah. And maybe your boyfriend, I don't know if you guys like do therapy or he's in therapy, but maybe like if he, if he isn't, that's something that maybe you could do with him, like going to therapy, talking about it, letting him be in spaces where he feels like comfortable and he can vent. Because like I said, there probably is a lot of like deeper wounds that he's carrying and you being an active role and like him starting healing journey or being on a healing journey. That's like all you can do. And I wish that I could say like there's a way for you just to take it all away because I feel like my friends or like my siblings would have done that for each other when we were really hurting. But truly, it is just about going on a healing journey and doing that individually. And, you know, what sucks about alcoholism is like people don't always get get healed. People don't always yeah. go into recovery. They don't always stop drinking. And that's why you need like tools in your toolkit and your boyfriend needs tools in his toolkit to be okay with that and deal with it and handle it. And that's also like setting boundaries. Like boundaries are going to be really important for you guys and really important for him. 
Totally. And yeah, finding the best ways to cope. This wasn't a part of my journey, but Al-Anon um, is a great mm-hmm. resource if he would be open to going to that group. It's um, all about children and people who have family members that are alcoholics. And maybe that's something that you could go to with him so that he feels mm-hmm. more comfortable. Um, you could suggest it, find a meeting. There are meetings everywhere. Yeah. It's adult children of alcoholics is yeah. what it's called online. We are the biggest fans of therapy. We've all been in it. And going to therapy with a partner or boyfriend is actually really normal. And Mario and I have been to therapy together. And it's actually really, really great. It helps you deal with what you're, you know, what's going on for you and then finding the best way to communicate it to the other person. And I just, I can't recommend that enough. Mm -hmm. And if anything, like how I view it is like, if your boyfriend has been dealing with this his whole life and like he, you know, what what I would say is I'm sure he doesn't like it, obviously, and he's been hurt by it. Think about how much of an amazing like dad he's going to be one day because he witnessed like this going on in his life. And I'm sure he's going to make a conscious choice for him to like not put his future children through that. And, you know, from like that deep hurt also comes a lot of like really good things as well. And I think as long as you're supporting him and you're there for him and you let him know he's not alone and you don't let him go into situations where he feels isolated and alone, like just provide that safe space and also take care of your mental health. Like it's not easy to be around two functioning alcoholics. Like that takes a lot on you as well. So Mm -hmm. I wish I could change it. I wish I could just like take that away because I know it's very heavy and it hurts, but just have to keep you like have prioritize you two and you guys being in the best, the best place. And and also, like, let that go of it's your responsibility to get them better or to, you know, help them because, like I said, they're not going to help themselves until they're ready. And so just go ahead and let that burden go because that's not on you or your boyfriend to carry. Yeah. I cannot tell you guys how many times in our family we wrote letters. We had family meetings. We had sit downs. I probably wrote 40 letters. Like, <laughs> literally, like, we'd always just be like, you know, this is going to be the last time we're not in skin. And, like, that, it was never the last time until it was. And when it was the last time, we didn't really play a role in it. Like we were just kind of like living our lives and and mom went to treatment and when went to treatment and, you know, time comes and you just have to like ride the wave until you get to that point. And it sucks and it's hard to do. Yeah. But, you know, that's obviously a, an issue that's very close to our heart. So if there's anything else or if you have any follow-up questions, please feel free to reach out to us via DM or text us or whatever. We're happy to help. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question. I also feel like this was relevant to my life, but it says I'm trying, we have, we have so many good questions guys, but we're kind of running out of time because we're already at an hour. So we're going to just crank this out. Um, we'll have to do a part two. I feel like this was really good. I like it. Yeah, no, we'll definitely do a part two. Resubmit your questions if we didn't get to them because they were all so great, but we're going to end with this one. So I'm trying to go over next. It doesn't seem to be working. I don't feel good about dating other guys, given that I'm not healed from my last relationship. How do I move past hurt over what could have been? This is a really good question. I literally just brought this up in therapy this past week because I obviously went through a breakup in July and it's October and you really, you know, you don't heal overnight from things that hurt you like that. But my therapist brought up a good point and she was like, you know, you don't have to be fully healed to be with someone else. Like, are we ever fully healed from anything? And she, I was talking about like this guy that I've been going on dates with and how like healing it's been for me to like be around someone who's so sweet and like makes me realize what I was missing out before. And she was like, your part of your healing journey is realizing those things. And this Mm guy's helping you realize that. And I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like be fully healed. Like I'm going to heal myself. Healing is so like fluid. It is not linear. Some days I still get upset about my college ex-boyfriend. Like, you know, it's a journey and I don't feel like you have to be a hundred percent healed to move on. But I feel like there are a lot of ways to move on from an ex and we can go over that as well. And I think that saying I don't feel good about dating other guys, I guess I would check to see why you don't feel good about it. Like, do you feel like because of the way that other people are talking or saying that like you need to do X, Y, and Z before you're ready to be with someone else or be in a new relationship? Or is it something that's like more internal? Because if it's external, move past that because you're the one moving on. Um, But yeah, I know it's so hard. And I do think that there are lots of ways to get over 
um, to get over relationships that we've both been through it this year. And I think that one of the things is just to like, let yourself feel and just like sit in it, you know, and I know it sucks, but like, try not to distract yourself and just like really reflect on the relationship. And, you know, this is what I liked about this. This is what I didn't like. And like really get clear on what you're looking for going into the next relationship, because I think that will help you just put it into perspective and like take what you need from the past and then look forward to a a better future with someone that's more in line with what you want and need. Yeah, definitely. I say, I would say like my top like five ways that I moved on and what helped me when my breakup happened was like going no contact. Obviously it's so hard to do, but if they're always hitting your line, I don't know if that's a situation for you. Like it's just not going to let you move forward at all. Two is like feeling the feelings, talking to a therapist if you need to do that, being upset, like not being hard on yourself for taking time to heal. Like you're healing, give yourself grace. Three, like being pretty distracted helped me, like not like distracting and numbing out the pain, but like having things on your social schedule, like, you know, going to with the girls, going to like a yoga class, doing like pottery. Like I, I really, really would say like going to the club with your girlfriends is so healing. It is so healing when they bring out those bottles and they're bouncing them in the air and you're just like listening to your favorite like Doja Cat song. It, it has healing properties, but if that's not for you, something else, you know, wholesome activities, going to the beach if you live by the beach, like stuff like that, just being busy. And then four, I would say like going on dates helped me heal faster because Mm -hmm. I, you know, was meeting all these different guys and I was learning things from them that like I really enjoyed. And I realized that I was not getting it out of my last relationship. And that really helped me kind of come to terms with like, wow, I'm so glad I stepped out of that relationship that wasn't serving me anymore because I was missing out on like, you know, these sweet guys are going on these fun dates and doing all this fun stuff. So that's what kind of helped me. Yeah. It allows you to see what else is out there instead of just fixating on this relationship that didn't work out. And you can't live in the could have been's or the what if this and what if that, because that's just going to like suck you down. So whenever your mind starts to wonder there, just kind of like get yourself in check and say, well, that's not reality and let's move forward. Um, and yeah, I like what you said, Bert, about how like healing is so fluid. And the thing that I've been thinking about a lot is like the term ready. Like you're never ready, like for anything, like to start a new job or like to start a business, to have a kid, to start a new relationship. Like there's always more work that could be done, more preparation, but it's just like, you've got to just do it. And yeah, it's like, you're never going to be fully healed, like from everything. So just go ahead and get out there. Just jump on it. Totally. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Like that's basically all I could say. I think that I have a hard time of fixating on the past and being like, oh, I remember when this was happening. Okay, that's not happening anymore. And that's not what's yeah. going to happen because you've made the decision to boss up. Like you're moving on, you're healing. And I think you have to like it's hard, but when you find your brain wandering in that direction, pull yourself back to reality or distract yourself. Be your own coach, be your own best friend, and just kind of like create this persona in your head of like you know, when sad girl starts to rear her head and think about all the things that could have been, let that like motivational coach or cheerleader or whatever, step up and be like, no girlfriend, like get up. This is not happening. Like do not go back there. We're only going forward. Yeah. It took me a long ass time to get to this headspace as well. Like there was a point in time a couple of weeks ago where my friends were texting, like how, like, what would your advice be? And I literally said, I don't have any good advice because I'm, I'm like, I'm down bad. And then I don't know, there's just one day where I just woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so much happier. I'm so proud of myself. Like, but it took me a second. Like I had to go through the hurt. I had to go on hot girl walks and just cry for hours and hours and hours and hours until I got to that point. So don't be hard on yourself and just give yourself grace. Definitely give yourself grace because even if you don't feel like you're healed enough or whatever, you've still done a lot of work and you've healed a lot from where you started after the breakup, I think. And so like, maybe it's, I got out of bed today or I didn't cry today or whatever it is. Like give yourself those small wins. Go kiss someone new. Like it's so healing. Swear. (laughs) Swear. I really felt better about things when that happened. So anyways, um, 
that is our advice episode. We're going to wrap it up. I know this is a longer one for you guys. We hope that you were able to get some good advice from it. We hope you took something from it and we definitely want to hear updates. So if you end up like taking action or doing something that we advise, please let us know how it goes. We are backing you guys. You're all amazing. And we will see you guys all in next week's episode. Yay. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.